Well, it's been a minute, <laughs> or three months. If you're new, I'm the lead pastor here at Neighborhood Church, and I have just finished a sabbatical. You might ask yourself, what is a sabbatical? Did it hurt? Just a little bit, and I'll explain that in a minute. A sabbatical is a string of Sabbath days all put together end to end of rest. Some time to cease from work and start to worship. Some time away from the demands of all of the people and all of the drama in my life. And there is a lot of people, there are a lot of people and there is a lot of drama. And I don't mean fake drama, I mean real drama. People losing loved ones. Businesses closing, the death of a dream, a diagnosis, the loss of a baby. Painful things. That as a pastor you carry or you walk alongside people while they carry them and to have a season of not walking alongside those who are hurting was breathtaking. It was like all of the pressure came off and I could breathe again. So here at Neighborhood Church, theoretically every seven years, you get a sabbatical break as a pastor. It's been 30 years of full-time ministry for me, so I was a little overdue, but nevertheless, incredibly thankful for something that about only 5% of pastors in Protestant churches in the U.S. get to have a sabbatical, so I'm just over the moon thankful. And it's not a 12-week vacation. It's time set aside from the constant demands of ministry to rest, to be renewed, and what I'll call, and a walk with Jesus. And I'm carrying the peace of Jesus out of sabbatical with me. And some of you might be saying, oh no, don't let anybody take that from you. They're going to steal it from you. Keep it as long as you can. Do you ever feel like that at the end of a vacation? I finally rested, and I got to see how long it'll last. Oh, it lasts 20 minutes when I got back in the office, then it was gone, Right? I'm sure none of you can relate to that. But the picture that the Lord gave me was of Beauty and the Beast. How many people have seen Beauty and the Beast? They had 1991 cartoon, more recently yet a live action version. Both versions. The Beast is protecting the rose. There's a rose inside this glass case. And he is fearful that if this rose, all the petals fall off, they will be forever cursed and well, they'll never come back to life again. And I felt like this was the picture that the Lord gave me. You're not like the beast protecting your peace. Because Jesus gives peace unlike what the world gives. That's what John 10 says. So I'm not coming back trying to protect my peace. Don't tell me about your bad stuff. That's not my goal. I am so happy to be step, having stepped into a new space, a new frame of mind. There is no way on earth I could explain or express all the things that I experienced on sabbatical, but I'm going to give it a shot for today and for the next two weeks to try to release some of these great things that I feel like I'm processing, but I'm still processing. 
So while it wasn't a vacation, during my time, I did travel to a few places. And uh, so I'll do show and tell for a few minutes. That will assuage all of your interest because everyone wants to know, where did you go on sabbatical? The short answer was, I didn't go very many places, but I did travel a little bit. So at the beginning of sabbatical, Linda and I attended a formal wedding of one of our former students here in the youth group. And... Um, this was kind of fun because the couple met on the bachelorette. You might know who I'm talking about. I won't invoke their name currently. But it was such an encouragement. And here was the surprise that the Lord had. Was when I got there, it was beautiful. And the guy that was officiating did a great job bringing Jesus into things. And it was in a beautiful place near Solvang. And it was just, we were all fancied up, right? I mean, look at us. But the real encouragement was God parading former students that we poured our lives into who are walking with Jesus, raising their young families, going to church, and that continued legacy. And I thought, oh, thanks, Father, for showing that to me. Because as mothers and fathers, we invest and we invest and we invest and we wonder, are we going to see a re return on our investment? And when you get to see those little glimpses, this side of heaven, so good. The Lord even had this funny little divine invitation for me to get to pray with and for Tim Tebow. If you know who this guy is, quarterback, you know. But Tim Tebow is walking in some incredible gifting and anointing, and he continues to do incredible ministry, especially with anti-sex trafficking. And it was just this beautiful moment to get to be together and to share and to pray for each other. Thanks, Lord. That was nice of you. So we had this long weekend, my wife and I, and there were other friends that were there. It was really nice. It was a fancy weekend. And then I felt this stress and tension come over my body. What is this? I'm on sabbatical. I've got the next three months off. Why would I be stressed out? So I just stopped and said, Lord, what is this? And the Lord kind of pointed, you don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. That's my problem. I don't want to go home. But we're, we're planning on driving home. And so what should I do? And the Lord said, well, just keep on driving. Put your wife on a plane and just keep on driving. So I asked her, I said, honey, would it be okay to put you on a plane? She's, she said, sure. Because that's what she would want to do. She would want to just keep driving, see what, where this road goes. So for the first time in my life, I said, you go home. I'm just going to keep driving. I don't know where I'm going to stay. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm in Southern California, and there's a lot of things to do. And I have lots of friends. Hopefully, they'll let me surf on their couch. <laughs> and so, after this long, fancy weekend, traveled to Los Angeles, to San Diego, not knowing where I was going and what I was doing, and I began, the Lord began to put me in front of people that I love. And each of them had some different encouragement for me, whether it was... Lynn and Joe Corey, who are Amy's aunt and uncle, who I stayed with, and I went to pastor's meetings with them and attended their neighborhood Bible study and just felt so encouraged. Or seeing my sister, who many of you don't know, but I have a little sister who's three and a half years younger, Wendy, and to get to reconnect with her was a real gift after the last few years. 
And then to see people like Daniel and Katie Blackman and their little people as I visited Jesus Culture in San Diego where Zach Curry is the pastor. And of course the Lord ambushed me and I'm standing there and they honored me from the front and I was like, I'm trying to blend in. And these wonderful people are speaking blessings of encouragement. It was a powerful God moment where I just thought, Lord, you know exactly where I am. I may not know where I'm going tomorrow, but you know exactly where I am right now. So I just began walking in beautiful places, as you do, right? Walking on beaches, in forests, on mountain trails, wherever I could walk, I walked. And then I tried to see as many beautiful things as I could. So I went to the Getty Museum and to some other museums and just saw the beauty and majesty of God's creation reflected through artists. And that might sound boring to you, but it sure was music to my soul. So after spending a several weeks just wandering around, I finally felt like I need to come home. I need to sleep in my own bed. I need to see my people, my family. And so I came back, and most of the 10 or so weeks in the middle, we were, I was actually centered here at home. And yet, I played a lot of golf. Don't you worry, those of you who are golfers. We made sure that we golfed at Lake Almanor and Coronado Island and in Pacific Grove. My favorite golf partner is Mimi, but second favorite is Bob back there. And um, just enjoyed being outdoors and challenging myself and getting a pretty decent tan. Linda and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary last month. We did a, a candle, we went to a candlelight string quartet concert um, in San Diego. And just in case you think we're really, really hoity-toity, it was celebrating the music of Queen. We were excited to go back to the beach where I proposed to her some 31 years ago in Aptos. And it was interesting, as I was getting ready to go on sabbatical, one of my pastor friends says, Andrew, where are you going to go during your sabbatical? I said, I don't know. The Lord has challenged me not to plan and just to trust him. He said, I've got a place for you. It's near Santa Cruz. And I said, oh, that'd be great. I said, is it near the beach? He said, yes, it's near the beach. I said, great. Would it happen to be near Seacliff Beach? He said, it's just right down the hill. You just step down the steps and you're at Seacliff Beach. My eyes got big and I realized they're offering us a free place to stay, this little apartment that used to be a convent where nuns lived and they've turned them into guest houses at this house, at this church. And they're offering us to stay for free there and we could just walk down and be on the beach where I proposed to my wife all those years ago. And the Lord said, you don't think that I know what's really in your heart? You didn't think that you could afford to stay in that neighborhood, did you? Oh, I had it already planned. And that's how our God works. He goes over and above just to show you how much he loves you. And as I look at sabbatical, I think sabbatical was everything I needed, but not everything I wanted. Does that make sense? The Lord knew what I needed. I didn't know what I needed. And I was stepping through the adventure day by day. One last fun set of pictures for you. I finished my sabbatical time. Our annual week at Tahoe, which um, got together with our best, the best man in our wedding, Mark, Mark Nielsen, and his family, and we just had a blast. 
And Tahoe is fun, and it's fun to be with really close friends. But there's something about Tahoe. There's something about that, I call it a thin place, where it's so easy to see who God is. And I don't know about you, and I hope that you have opportunities to go to thin places like that. But to me, I just felt like my soul was reset. So while we did some traveling, and it was rich in people stuff at the beginning and the end, really the middle 10 weeks was mostly about solitude. Sure, I was with my family most of the time, but outside of that, I didn't spend much time with friends. In fact, I want to publicly apologize to all of you who I didn't call or text back or get back to because the board was really directive with me and I really made sure I did what they asked and that was to draw away. So some of my closest friends and small group and other people didn't get much time at all with me. And while I'm an extrovert and I would have loved to have done that, I knew the Lord was asking me to draw away with him and to walk with him. It was a time set aside for reflection. So forgive me if I didn't call or text or reach out to you. Um, I was barely on social media except for two times when I was looking for something to buy from Facebook Marketplace. I didn't keep up with your lives. So don't assume I know anything that's happened in the last three and a half months. Just come tell me or email me or text me or whatever. Um, I stayed away from the news altogether. I needed to be clear with my Jesus. And I needed to not carry anybody else's burdens for a season. So I spent a lot of time reading. I didn't read the books I thought I was going to read. I would pick up a book and go, this is going to be a great book. And I start reading about a chapter in and the Lord's like, this is work. Oh, this is work? Yeah, read this when you get back. Okay. I don't know how many books I went like that. And they're going to be great this fall. But then the Lord was like, but read this, but read this, but read this. It's so fascinating how brilliant God's mind is, how he weaves things, things together. These authors who don't know each other are all of a sudden saying the same things in the same ways. What is the chances of this happening? This is God orchestrating the things that he wanted me to read and experience for my own development. And so that as I come back, I can help shape culture here at Neighborhood Church. I'll tell you more about that in the next couple weeks. It took me about four weeks to finally let down. And of the buzz, if you will, from ministry. At the two-month mark, I found another level of peace where the Lord was like, okay, you're ready to really do business now? And as the pressure and the stress of ministry was completely removed, the only thing that was left was in my own heart. This is my stuff. I can't blame it on work. I can't blame it on ministry. This is me. And I thought about it as I had lunch with Chris Thrasher Wheatley. He said, oh, those, you're discovering the cellar dwellers. These are the little people that live underneath your heart that probably need some attention and maybe need to be evicted. There's some stuff going on in there. That's what you're left with. That's what I'm left with. Okay, I need to do some business with God. And so what did I do? I was tempted to entertain myself right away from that. 
how many games of baseball can I watch on TV? I'm on sabbatical, for goodness sake. I can watch as many as I want. I'll play video games on my iPad. That'll be great. I'll go do other things. What can I do? I can play golf. I love golf. I, I want to get better. I want to get under 90. I almost did it too. It's really close. I'm going to get there. And I'll tell you all about it later. I just was tempted to walk away from looking at this, this doing this hard soul work. Do you ever feel like that? You just go, oh God, I don't want to see what's really in my heart. This stuff's bubbling up. I'm sitting here in silence and I don't really want to do anything with this. And yet, the Holy Spirit, whose kindness leads us to change our mind to repentance, says, this is what I believe he whispered to me. Really? Really? This is how you're going to spend your sabbatical? No, no. So back I went to do business with Jesus. Pushing through the temptations. And... Um, so what did I do? I chose to walk with Jesus. What do I mean by walk? Well, I mean actual walking. It's a little bit like the movie Forrest Gump. Have you seen more of Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump, sitting on the porch, decides, I just feel like running. So he gets up and he starts running and he zigzags, you know, hypothetically, across the country. And there's reporters asking him questions. Why are you running? Are you, are you doing this to raise money? Are you trying to raise awareness for you? And he says, I just felt like running. But he also goes on to say that he did a lot of thinking about the people that were the most important in his life. His mama, Bubba, and Jenny. And I thought to myself, my sabbatical was a little bit like that. Where I actually did actual walking, but no podcasts, no music, no entertainment, just me and Jesus. And... You think, oh, that sounds really boring, Andrew. How long did you do that for? And why haven't you lost more weight? What the heck? <laughs> At least I'm tan. I got that going for me. Um, here's what was going on. Jesus was bringing to mind memories, thoughts, ideas, dreams, both really joyful and really painful. Bringing them to mind. Not in any order that I could discern, so he would bring up some situation from my first ministry 30 years ago in Southern California. And he would ask me questions about how I, I behaved in that leadership situation and examined my own leadership. And he'd say, well, do you want to forgive that person that hurt you in that moment then? Well, I, I think I do. Okay, we'll do it right now. So I, I, this is just me and Jesus. I'm not talking to anyone else. By the way, sometimes it's really helpful to talk to someone else about this stuff. Let them in or let in a counselor. We're a big fan of counseling around here. We think counseling is what healthy people do. But in this case, the Holy Spirit, my counselor, would just kept bringing things up and helping me understand, are you holding on to bitterness? Do you want to let go of that? Yeah, I think I do. Okay, great. Well, let's let go of it right now. Lord, I just, choose to I just choose to forgive. I'm going to let him off the hook. Okay, are you, are you going to let that whole situation go now? No more? We're done with it? Yep, okay, great. And then, oh yeah, by the way, six months ago, let me tell you what you did really well here. I'm like, 
I did that really well. I didn't feel like I really did. Oh, no. You, and the Lord just affirming in that. And then a difficult relationship where I had to, to, to fire somebody. And that is so painful and so hard. And he would show me things about that. On and on the conversations with Jesus went. Sometimes painful. Sometimes joyful. Sometimes so painful for me to admit that I had blown it. I'm embarrassed. I'm all by myself and I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed just to be me right now. But this was God's will for me as I practiced sabbatical. And I can guarantee you everyone practices sabbatical differently. And this is what I needed. After 30 years of helping people carry their burdens, I needed to make sure I unloaded all of mine. Now, I'm going to have my friend George come up and, and share a word with you real quick. That he, he actually received this over 15 years ago. I remember him sharing it with me. Mr. B, he would say, I've got this word. I was up on a fire and this is what it was. I can't do his voice very well because my voice is high and his isn't. But not only has this word been a word he continues to unpack and it bears fruit with other people, but it's something that I've continued to unpack. And, and after George shares, then I'll apply this to my sharing and we'll finish up this morning. But George, share, us, share with us, tell us about Sid. About 15 years ago-ish, I got this word from heaven, C-I-D, Sid. I'm like, sweet. Three months goes by praying into nothing. Six months goes by, nothing. You ever pray for something that you feel like you're striking out and, and you keep praying about it and nothing happens? Nine months goes by. A year goes by and I have fasted and prayed. I have sought the Lord and nothing. It's, but it's in my heart. It's in my spirit. It's like, Lord, what is up with Sid? Nothing just blank. And I, the more I pray about it, the more I believe it's from heaven. And I feel, I sense virtue is one of the words that it, it, it's from heaven, but nothing. 15 months goes by, nothing. I am about a year and a half after I got this word. I am south of highway 80 on a fire really steep country. There's this huge bridge that is super, goes over this canyon, and it's like, you look down and it'll give you the heebie-jeebies. But I was near there, I don't remember exactly where, and I was on this ridge line, and I am in direct communication with heaven. I'm like, I need a flat spot to turn around because my bulldozer's sliding down this ridge, and it is really steep. I mean, some of the steepest ground I've ever been on. I'm like, Lord, I need a place to turn around because I turn around on this hill, I'll roll my bulldozer. And I am, the fire is coming, there is tankers over me, and I get, Sid is calling identity and destiny. And I'm like, what? I don't need a word right now. I need a flat spot to turn around. And I'm grumpy, okay? I am, I got the adrenaline going and things are not going all that well. And I go about another 20, 30 feet and there's my flat spot. So I was able to push a berm of dirt and I get turned around and I went calling identity, destiny, what? And I'm like, it rings right there. This changed my life. What I prayed, what is my identity in you? What 
am I called to? How do I walk out my destiny with knowing who I am in Christ? And it went from, I need, I need a flat spot to, who am I? How do I walk this out? What is my destiny in you and with you? How, what, what am I called to? How do I function as a man of God, but you first, and I have nothing to do with this picture? And he started showing me. And from then on, it was about, Lord, is this part of my identity? No. Okay, I don't do it. Is this part of my calling? Yes. Okay, got it. And I have used that. And the fruit was, eh, some of it was not so great on the tree before. Some of it was good, but the fruit has multiplied. And there's been some really crazy stuff. But the glory, it took a year and a half so I would encourage you to find out what heaven is saying about you. What is your identity in him and with him? And it's changed my life. So bless you. Thanks, George. So calling, identity, and destiny. Just real briefly. First of all, calling sabbatical only strengthened my sense of calling on my life. As time went by on sabbatical, I wasn't actively thinking about the church, what was going on. I wasn't worried about y'all. I looked forward to coming back more and more. You could say that sabbatical or drawing away from something will either make your heart grow fonder for something and want to embrace it more, or will show you perhaps this is not the right season or the right thing, and your heart will then drift. The idea of like absence makes the heart grow fonder, that sort of thing, or it doesn't and you end up breaking up. There was nothing in me that was worried about not coming back from sabbatical. I had people who were like, I'm so worried that you're not going to come back from sabbatical. I said, why would I do that? I've worked this hard this long to get to this place. The fun stuff's coming, right, Jim? The fun stuff's coming. This is the, this is the season that I've been looking forward to. Why would I bail out now? Are you kidding me? So I believe our hearts are always either growing for something or shrinking for something. It's true about our walk with God. We're either growing toward him and our hearts are growing softer and we're more receptive or we're hardening our heart, we're becoming cynical and we're putting distance between us and God. There is no coasting in the kingdom of God. You're either growing toward him and walking with him or you're stepping back from him. So in my relationship with God... My heart has been growing. So I take great peace in being called for this season to be the lead pastor and to serve in this role. I don't want my identity to be the pastor of Neighborhood Church. That's my calling. Now the church existed for 12 years before little Andy showed up on the scene in 1976. 
The church was nurtured and loved by Jesus and other leaders for 34 years before I was hired as a youth pastor. The church became, was 48 years old when I became, and had, and had three lead pastors before me before I became the lead pastor and grabbed the baton and began to run. And that was, by the way, 10 years ago. I believe 2022 is a hinge point for Neighborhood Church. I feel like this is marking the end of a season and the beginning of a new one. And I'm really excited about the adventure of the next 10 years, let's say. And I'm gifted and called to lead here. And I'm so thankful about the clarity that I have about calling, the calling that I carry. So if you want to get clear on your calling... One of the tools that we have here at Neighborhood Church is called Focus Living. If you've never done that before with us, please consider joining us. It's the first weekend of November, and it's a Friday night, Saturday day seminar where you create a timeline of your life, and Jesus begins to help you connect the dots of how he's always been shaping you through events, people, events, and circumstances in your past to take you toward a future. So you get clarity on your calling. If you're interested in that, we'd love to tell you more about Focus Living in the beginning of November. So in George's word, calling comes first. A clear sense of calling is critical. Sabbatical confirmed this for me in really powerful ways. Identity is the next thing. Identity is the next critical piece for us as Jesus followers. So our identity is who we really are. Our who we truly are, and what we live out of moment by moment, day by day. And that is the way that we see ourselves, and how we see ourselves dictates how we react, how we respond, how we lead, how we follow, whether we risk or protect ourselves, who we believe we are shifts and changes how we live. I went to the DMV to get a real ID. It's still in the mail, but this is my old ID. And this ID says some facts about me. It doesn't say all of the things about me, but it does reflect my identity. My, my new ID will help you understand that I am indeed not 160 pounds any longer. <laughs> but understanding who you are is a lifelong journey. It's not as simple as just knowing what your address is, and whether you're an organ donor or not, or whether you can drive a motorcycle or just a car or even one of those big trucks. Our identity is critical. Understanding who we are in a biblical sense, what our biblical identity is, is key. That's why one of the reasons, main reasons we meet on Sunday mornings so that you can hear again, who are you? Who does God say you are? Who does God say he is? And how do we relate to him? So I've learned these things over the years. I've preached about them. I'm a loved son. I'm not a slave. I'm a friend of God. I'm not his enemy. I'm forgiven and God doesn't hold my sins against me anymore. I'm called a saint, a holy one, not a sinner. I'm an overcomer and I'm victorious. I'm not a victim. These are things that God's word clearly says about those of us who follow Jesus. And just a little commercial, what they're doing at Empowered Ministry School, what Mike and the team are doing, 
is really identity work, helping us go deep in this identity, understanding where we believe the things that are lies and coming against those things. Because the things that we focus on grow large in us. I want to focus on what God says about who I am and believe it more and more so I can live into it. Well, so the list of, tr- of, God's, of truths from God's word about our identity goes on and on and on. And when I live out of that identity in Christ, there's incredible fruit in my life. So I've been pretty clear on my identity generally, but this time of sabbatical was a different kind of identity work for me. What do I mean? Well, let me put it this way. I was working in the yard at the beginning of sabbatical and I ran into the end of one of these really pokey, like it's like an aloe plant and it's like this huge long thorn and it went right into the end of my finger. You know, and so I immediately went inside and I began working with the tweezers and everything. Of course it broke off. And now there's this piece. It's lodged deep into my finger and it just hurts to touch it. And I thought, oh no, now I can't play guitar, I can't play piano, I can't type, I can't golf. Ah, these are all the things that I love. I'm on sabbatical, I'm supposed to do the things that I love. What's going on? Why is this happening to me? Why God? <laughs> He's just, just patting me on the head. See the last week's message, by the way, for how we deal with that. Chris did a fantastic job last week preaching on that. But understanding God is always good, and he's teaching me and showing me, and I can't get this thing out. And I'm digging for hours trying to get this thorn out. But sabbatical was all about digging thorns out for me. And they're the thorns in my heart that were left by wounds and struggles and experiences, which makes me think that what has happened before is surely going to happen again. Therefore, I'm responding in fear. I'm trying to get approval. I'm trying to prove to myself that I'm okay. I'm trying to prove that, that I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, I'm fast enough. I even realized that really for 30 years of my ministry life, every situation, I felt like I was trying to prove to myself and the world that I was okay. That I fit, that I was not an imposter, that I wasn't the second choice, that I was actually chosen and gifted. And I went to new places in my heart with Jesus, just pulling those thorns out. And some of it was painful. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of it, I was like disappointed in myself. I'm like, really? I know better than that. Or says, yeah, you know plenty. You need to now get a revelation of what you know into your heart. Because out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so now you've got it here. Oh, it'll be quick. That'll, then it'll go to here. I'm an exhorter. Are you kidding me? It's all about living it out. Let's just do it. But that critical revelation, that critical self-awareness is just this clarity that I'm bringing back. So I went on a mini sabbatical, I suppose, for a few weeks. It was really vacation. But it was a pilgrimage to Ireland a few years ago, and it changed my life. I have not been the same since then. I'm Andrew 2.0. Sabbatical has made me Andrew 3.0. Everything has slowed down, become much more clear. I'm carrying peace that I've never carried. I'm not striving in the ways I was before. Certainly, I'm still in process. Oh, gosh. But I'm different. And why am I different? Because I've spent time with Jesus. There's this little verse in the 
book of Acts, I think it's in Acts 4, where the Sanhedrin pull Peter and John in, and they're like, these men have been preaching Jesus, right? It's Acts 4, right? These men have been preaching Jesus. And the way that they respond, the Sanhedrin say, and they, they saw that they had spent, they had that they had been spending time with Jesus. There was evidence in their life that they had spent time with Jesus. And I feel like I'm in that space. And I guess I want to invite you into a place of sitting with Jesus and allowing him to show you things. Now, this is just an extension of what we've been preaching for the last six months about these times in the Eremos, these times in the wilderness in a lonely place, in a solitary place, where your identity gets affirmed by the Father. And as he affirms that and helps you take those thorns out and you get clear, and now all of a sudden you're not saying, sure, I'll do that with you because I'm afraid that if I don't say yes, you'll think I'm a bad blank. Bad father, bad mother, bad pastor, bad leader, not nurturing, whatever, right? And so have you ever said yes to someone and then later you're like, why did I say yes to that? Probably that should tell you that there's some need for approval, need to prove to yourself something is going on in your heart that maybe needs a little bit of surgery, a little bit of tweezers, and bring it to Jesus. And I'm going to take the next couple weeks to talk more about this, so I, I don't need to talk much longer, except I want to share this with you. Isaiah 58, verse 11 says, The Lord will guide your, you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. And boy, I feel like I live in a sun-scorched land here. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Not just twice a week on Tuesday nights and Saturday nights. You're going to be well watered. It's as if my heart is a garden. And I believe that there is tending to the garden that is continual. That if I want to walk with Jesus, if I want to be clear, if I want to really understand my calling and then walk more in my identity, I've got to continually go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what is it? Search my heart and know me. Try me and see if there's any anxious way in me. David says. Next week, by the way, I want to talk about anxiety. That'll be a great time because the Lord showed me some things about anxiety on my sabbatical. But let me finish with this. The message. Eugene Peterson, God bless him. He writes this paraphrase of the Bible and James 1, he says, throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. Love that. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word making his salvation garden of your life. So sabbatical for me was a time to really look at my garden and pull out the weeds, to pull out the thorns and let God challenge me into new health, into new places, to get more self-awareness so that I could love others well so that I could be even more present to myself and unafraid to look into my own heart, and certainly so that I could love him better and live out this life. So what does it look like for you? You're like, oh, I'm not going to go on a sabbatical, Andrew. How do I do this? 
What does it look like for you to take one day and practice rest per week? A Sabbath. A time where you actually are quiet. You don't have music playing. You don't have the TV on. You're not trying to multitask. And you're just listening. Say, God, what is it that you want to show me? Now, some of you just tuned out right then because you're like, yeah, God doesn't speak to you the same way that he speaks to me. Good news, he definitely does speak to you. And he's going to put a thought in your head. You're not going to hear necessarily an audible voice, although you might, and I have before, and it's really cool and very rare for me, but very cool. But don't expect that. Just expect a thought that's going to come into your head, and it could be a question. It could be bringing back a memory. You're going to think, oh, that was my own thought. You don't have to label it as God. You don't have to, like, build a church around it or something like that. Say, huh, Lord, why am I thinking about my sister right now? Lord, what do you want to show me about my sister? And to wait, and to be silent. And then, it's just an illustration. It doesn't have to be your sister, but... And let the Lord begin to show you some things and begin to ask questions and be curious about, God, how do I come into alignment more with what you want in my relationship with her? How do I pray for her today? What do I do? And off down the path, you'll go with the goodness of God. I just want to challenge you that if you want to really grow, if you want to be more at home in your heart, you've got to spend time alone with Jesus. There's no shortcuts to that. So if you'd stand, thanks so much for listening to my stories today. I'm just really praying that these will fall on on the soil of your heart and you'll be inspired to say, okay, I'm going to spend some quiet time. Just silence and God's presence. If you'd, uh, prayer folks, if you'd come forward, I'm sure that there's some folks that are like, I need prayer. We would love to pray for you for whatever's going on in your life. And if you feel like, oh man, I've got thorns, I need help, come and talk to us. It's so important for you not to do this life alone. Jesus, thank you for the many things that you showed me and how you're continuing to walk me into new places of health. I bless this family in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray that your grace would lead us in powerful ways. God, thank you for the calling that you've given to me to get to to lead and to love in this season. I pray that you would help give us wisdom and clarity, courage, and curiosity in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for coming. We'll see you next week.